Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is your culinary and lifestyle show where I'm delivering deliciousness every weekend. So please mark your calendar and be sure to tune in. And if you happen to have missed a show, don't worry. My podcasts are posted on iTunes and you can find a direct link at chefjamie.com where you'll find an arsenal of recipes to fill every day with fabulous flavor. I'm on a mission to find the most exciting places, new experiences, emerging trends, and I do guarantee that the conversation will be delicious because art comes in all forms. I just happen to love the form that you can eat, and I think that a meal is a terrible thing to waste. I hope you'll become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and let's get this party started, shall we? Okay, close your eyes and think of the best burger you've ever had. Do you want to make the very best burgers so that you can grill this summer like a culinary boss? Well, you're going to need to grind your own beef. That's right. It's super simple and it's very personal. You choose your blend and then you make this mouth-watering, drip-down-your-chin burger of excellence, I call it. Now, if you've listened to my show for some time, you've heard Meathead Goldwyn, the grilling guru. Yes, that is his given name. He wrote a soliloquy on the science of hamburgers, by the way. It's a great read. And he and I share the mindset that if you want a top quality burger, you really can't buy pre-ground beef in a package. You can shortcut, by the way, and ask the butcher in your gourmet grocery store at a butcher shop to blend and grind for you. But you can also do it at home pretty easily. So let me take you back to my most vivid and delectable burger experience. It was at Manetta Tavern in Soho in New York City. And we vied for a reservation almost two months in advance. And I had heard about their Black Label Burger. And it turned out to be everything I anticipated. You needed two hands and 22 napkins. And the toasty, charry, beefy scent wafted to your nose as it was escorted to your table. The patty had this mahogany skin The bun was really wet with dark juices, but it had texture on the outside. It was crunchy when your teeth pierced it. The warm, salty juices flowed over your tongue, followed closely by an assertively deep prime steak flavor. The bun was warm and buttery, and the condiments amped up the experience, but you don't really remember them because it was the brawny beef that sticks in your mind. And still to this day, the experience ends reluctantly where you lick the juice off your wrists. Yes, it was that good. So here are the secrets to grinding your way to a better burger. Thanks to much research, you're welcome, at Mineta Tavern. For the best flavor, the meat that you use for grinding should not be very lean. 
I like to combine chuck and sirloin. And then I add the addition of extra fat. Try bacon, by the way. The key though, no matter what kind of blend you opt for, is making sure that the mix has a relatively high fat content because that's where the juiciness and so much of the flavor of a great burger comes from. So for a luscious burger, like a truly luscious one, the best ratio is 70 to 30, 70% meat, 30% fat. And by the way, you don't have a burger like this every day. This is a special occasion, holiday weekend one big blowout summer party, please do it outside and safely, kind of burger. Now, brisket, hanger steak, short rib, they add flavor. If you want to get really extravagant, you grind your own Kobe beef burgers from Kobe beef steaks. Now, Minetta Tavern's burger, which I salivated over, they, I did, literally, grind dry aged steak with short rib and brisket. And then there's another secret supposedly for their burger. I have, I haven't gotten it yet, but I would say you can go for choice grade beef, not the more expensive prime grade, um, or the fabulously expensive Kobe or even Wagyu. The expensive cuts are dear because they have more fat between the muscle. But if you add fat to the ground meat, which is what Manetta Tavern taught me, then you don't need to spend much, much more on prime. What the Manetta Tavern burger taught me was that a blend of beef is really where you get a winning burger. And the method of grinding your own meat could be lamb, pork, veal, poultry, doesn't matter is best done using the grinder attachment on your KitchenAid mixer. Now, if you don't have the grinder attachment, you can use your food processor too, but I beg you to pulse instead of blend on the on setting so that you get better texture. And freezing the meat helps it, holds its shape better. It keeps it firmer. So especially if you're using the grinder, it grinds more easily and I would consider freezing cubed meat about one inch cubes for about 10 to 15 minutes before you grind or food process. The semi-frozen meat um, is also smart from a food safety standpoint. Now, here's my best chef's tip. You want to put whatever blade you're using, no matter the appliance, in the freezer with the meat so that when you assemble the grinder, the food processor, whatever it is, the blade itself is cold like the meat. And sometimes I'll even store that blade in the fridge or the freezer, by the way, because I find that things blend better from cold. Now, when it comes to forming your burgers, my patties are nothing but meat. And I sprinkle salt and pepper on the exterior of the burger just before I cook it. You've heard J. Kenji Lopez-Alt, the MIT grad chef, Serious Eats guy who graces this show. He hasn't been on a long time. In fact, I'll extend an invitation. He knows a lot about burgers too. He did some fascinating experiments. He added a bit of anchovy to the meat before grinding at home. About half of a filet per burger. You know the single filet of anchovies uh, all piled in the can or sometimes the fancy jar. I like those. Not really a can, but rather a tin. He says it doesn't change the actual flavor of the burger. It just adds a bit of umami that makes the beef beefier. 
And I agree. I have tried it and tested it. And you don't know it's there. It is the French je ne sais quoi. Like, I just can't figure it out. But man, this is good. It's like the fish sauce in your favorite Asian dish that makes it craveable. It's a new mommy bomb helper and I believe in it. Now, you can use fish sauce, by the way, as a substitute if you keep a bottle in your pantry. You will never know it's there. And my last chef's tip when it comes to building a better burger, which starts with the meat. When you form your patties, please, please, please do not pack them too tightly. Because when you're using good meat and good fat, you want the fat in the meat to ooze throughout the burger for juiciness. So be gentle. And test a few combinations for your signature ground beef mixture. And then fire up the grill for those burgers and add smoke and sizzle because they just can't get any better. And do let me know how your grind turns out. You can email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. By the way, I do have a best burger recipe. It's an outrageous double cheeseburger with oven roasted tomatoes and roasted garlic mayo. Post it at chefjamie.com. All right, now I need to say this, so please listen here. This is a serious food show. I have poured my heart into it for 18 years now. And we have big names on this show, like Andrew Zimmern, who stopped by last week, and serious food artisans and dedicated professionals who grace this show. This show is officially delicious, in my opinion. But there is a whimsy to food that I appreciate. And so with that said, this particular episode of my show is totally unofficial. On today's show, we are dishing on the lighter side. If you are a Simpsons fan, and there are billions of you, you now have a cookbook to turn your favorite cartoon food into a reality. Somebody listening just jumped up and down. And if you are TikTok addicted, The young mind, who is, by the way, the biggest food influencer at 22 years old, she broke the internet with her Dorito-crusted fried cheese. She's here. Coming up, Valentina Musi of the Sweet Portfolio, TikTok fame. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Grab a snack and come on back. Informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The Simpsons, a pop culture phenomenon for over 30 years now, has spawned memes and catchphrases, theme park lands, and feature films. And now there is a cookbook. Yes, Laurel Randolph delves into the countless dishes that have been mentioned and prepared on the award-winning and much-loved show. And if you're a Simpsons fan, well, you can now reminisce about the glory days of what is considered one of the greatest TV shows of all times. 
Turn your favorite cartoon food into reality. Laurel has 70 recipes straight from the comedy show. Over the years, the Simpsons episodes have featured and often revolved around countless food items, of course. So if you want to make Marge's pretzels or squishies or crusty burgers, you're going to find all of your favorite meals that you can now make in your kitchen from The Simpsons in no time. Laurel Randolph is a cookbook author and a lifelong Simpsons fan. She runs the popular blog and Instagram account Joy of Cooking Millhouse, and she is an award-winning author herself. She's here to share her Homer love with the book just about to release, the unofficial Simpsons cookbook. And so many are so excited. Laurel, I'm very glad to have you here, and congratulations. We know your cookbook success in the past. This is no doubt uh, set to be a success, but a labor of love. Definitely. All cookbooks (laughs) are a labor of love, but this one is more a labor of love maybe because I love the show so much. Right. Okay. So you've always been a fan because I want to be very forthright and tell you, I know The Simpsons, but I was never an avid watcher. So you'll have to enlighten me. Um, I'm probably one of three, right? Because the rest of the (laughs) the rest of the world is still today in love with The Simpsons. I mean, it is kind of incredible that the show's been on. I think it's going to be 33 seasons coming up and people still love it so much. I grew up watching it. Um, my mom actually told me not to, uh, but I would. Oh, all the more re- all the more reason to watch <laughs> some more. Exactly, <laughs> I think it makes you want to watch it more. Of course. Um, so I would I would sneak episodes and watch them when they aired. Um, classic episodes, the ones that people um, really have a special place in their heart for, including me. Hmm. Um, and I watched it in syndication and continued watching it for um, so many years, and still really enjoy those episodes and still laugh at those jokes and still love that show. And it's just a worldwide um, love. But that's something I've really learned from having um, the Instagram and the blog is that there are fans just all over the world that love this show. It's really amazing. It's a a cult phenomenon, no doubt. Mm -hmm. And um, Bill Oakley, the writer, right? And um, also a Instagram personality, um, gives Mm -hmm. you a beautiful forward in the book. uh, And, I would like to know, and please excuse the ignorance, but what is tub? <laughs> <laughs> tub is a uh, is honestly not defined in the show. You see it. It's in an episode where Homer is trying to gain so much weight that he goes on disability from work and can work from home, which is actually such a funny concept now after quarantine, sure. uh, where everyone's been working from home, but that was his dream, is to not have to go into work and just sit there all day. So it's just this uh, amalgamous ingredient that is clearly full of fat. I don't know what it's called, tub. But he wrote um, a recipe for it in his intro. So that solves that mystery of what tub is. It's basically Oreo cookie filling without the cookies. Yes, I. It, it's... It, right, it's the... Uh... <laughs> it's vegetable shortening, powdered sugar, and vanilla. It's the base of any good frosting, right? Exactly. And it should be eaten straight from the tub. <laughs> I, th- I think this is hysterical. I really do. Now I'm, now I'm realizing I should have been watching. So talk to me. The blog started. You realized its popularity. You've always been a Simpsons fan. And did you go back episode by episode and a chronicle 
the food and the mm-hmm. recipes that were or create recipes for the food that were the foods that were the focus because interestingly enough it is a very food centric show yes there is tons of food in the show it's actually really hard to narrow it down to like a cookbook size format um there are a good amount of foods in there that are like too gross um <laughs> to make palatable or or just very simple uh that you don't need a recipe for but I've been doing the blog for um, a few years, and before that, I wrote a series for Pace Magazine. So I've hmm. really been collecting um, a spreadsheet. I have a really long spreadsheet of That's all of these fabulous. different food items that appear in the show, what episode and what season. And I kind of just go back to that and pull from it. And I add to it all the time because I'm always watching episodes and I'm always finding new stuff to add. So it was really tricky narrowing it down to 70 for the book, honestly. I, I think it's just fascinating. I really do. Now, I don't know the backstory to many of these, so please enlighten me. But I understand that anything that is purple must be good for you because it's a, <laughs> because it's a fruit. Um, are, are donuts, are these, are these donuts very popular? Purple-filled donuts, specifically. Yeah, it's funny. The purple-filled donuts, obviously there have to be at least two. I have two donut recipes in the book, and that is the bare minimum you could put in this book because sure. of Homer's obsession with donuts. The purple-filled donuts appear more than once in the show, and that's why I included them. The purple is a fruit um, reference is when Lisa goes to work with Homer on Take Your Kid to Work Day, and all he really does is sit there and eat donuts. And so she's bored out of her mind, and <laughs> he's eating a donut. He's like, do you want a donut? She says, no, uh, do you have any fruit? He said, this one has purple in it. Purple's a fruit. And she's just nonplussed with that reply. Um, so I had to make a purple filled. This one has blackberry jam yes. in it to make it, which actually is a fruit. So, which actually is yeah, a fruit. Healthy, sure. The book is inspired. It's whimsical. It's fun for any Simpsons fan. It has to be the perfect holiday gift. Um, and we know the holidays will be here before we know it. Already getting huge buzz just about to release. It is the unofficial Simpsons cookbook. From Krusty Burgers to Marge's Pretzels, the famous recipes from your favorite cartoon family, created uh, and perfected by uh, Laurel Randolph, the last name R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H. She is no doubt a Simpsons fan and has authored uh, very successful cookbooks, of course, and... Do you really eat the whole thing, Laurel? <laughs> Always. Always. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Continued success. Um, and delighted to uh, share Simpsons love for sure. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, pleasure. It's the unofficial Simpsons cookbook, so you can happily binge on iconic cuisine while binging on iconic TV. I love that the 33rd season of The Simpsons starts September of this year. Uh, Featuring a foreword from Bill Oakley, the book, the unofficial Simpsons cookbook, the author, Laurel Randolph. We are fun-filled on this show this weekend, so stay tuned. Grab a snack, come on back. You never know what fabulous food is coming up next. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away.
Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. My goal is to satiate your appetite. And if you are social media addicted like I am, I'm about to introduce you to one of the biggest influencers. Yes, Valentina Musi is a food and lifestyle content creator based in Miami, Florida, in fact. She comes from an Italian-Colombian family, and her culturally diverse background gave her a unique outlook on food and culture. And when she started blogging, I will tell you, it was a sensation. She became a social media brand, in fact, where her Dorito-crusted fried cheese yielded 29 million views. Her strawberry milk, 26 million. Her mermaid milkshake came in at 19 million total views. She is a TikTok sensation. And the first unofficial TikTok cookbook has released. She is an editor's pick on Amazon with 75 of the most popular, post-worthy, fun recipes straight from TikTok, because recipes that become viral sensations, who would have thunk, right, are all the rage. Her whipped coffee, her pancake cereal, and her mug cakes are what people are dying to make, really, and now the recipes are all in one place. So whether you want to post your cooking creations online or share them with your family, your friends, uh, this book is all the rage. Valentina Musi is here, and I'm delighted. Valentina, you are uh, a, a top and most successful influencer under the age of 25 in the U.S. Congratulations to you. Um, what is that life like? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> You're um, welcome. It's very surreal to me. I, I'm very low-profile. Honestly, if you know me personally, Jamie, you'll realize that I'm kind of shy <laughs> in person. I keep to myself, so to me, this is very surreal. Like, it was never, at the beginning, that wasn't a goal of mine. I just started my social media accounts because I loved food. I loved eating out, cooking, baking, spending time with friends and family, just anything that has to do with food. And I think that that passion and, and love for, for food kind of mm. translated into something else. And somehow people started following me and enjoying what I post and what I do, what I cook. And I'm really lucky for that. Yeah, very blessed, no doubt. But you've made a great success fit of it. Congratulations to you for that. You've always loved to bake, I know. You grew up in a food-loving family. I did, yes. and no one in my family actually bakes. I'm the only one because, <laughs> I mean, they, they mostly focus on pasta or my grandparents. I mean, um, I grew up with my uh, mom's side. My grandparents, they lived in my same household for most of my life mm. until my grandfather passed away. So they were cooking every single day. And same thing with my dad and mom, but it was all really like savory dishes or dinner or lunch. Um, but everyone had a big sweet tooth. So from the time I was like nine, I started baking. And I've been baking everyone's birthday cakes now for years. Um, it's I, I find it kind of annoying now because they... <laughs> I'm the only one who bakes, but you, they everyone expect it. Oh, right. There's they so expect much pressure. <laughs> yeah, I think there's no greater pressure than uh, being the one of the biggest names on on TikTok. I have to say, you're 1.3 million followers. Right, you are the the face of the 
social media food world today. And like you said, while you didn't expect it, you have built a business and, and kudos to you for that. Um, how, how has your life changed? Well, I find myself uh, living a life that's maybe like a little bit beyond my years. Hmm. Um, I'm only 22, but I'm running a business. I, I live alone and I do all of my content from home. So I, I was maybe like around 20, 21, finding my, my first apartment and making sure that I had a big kitchen and, <laughs> and, and making all of these life decisions that most people, um, most young adults make a little bit later. Sure. So in that sense, it has changed. And I have, I think, different responsibilities than a lot of my friends. Like, I have to talk to my accountant every other day. <laughs> I have to look to contracts. And, and uh, I have different business calls and closing all these partnerships uh, with big brands that it just, I feel like I'm doing something that a lot of people just do in their 30s. So it's very exciting, and, and, but it also, it's, it feels a little bit weird, but it, obviously it's really exciting. But quite and that fabulous. Sense, I think my life's a little different. Yes, for sure. But I really commend you for uh, gaining that business sense, and you've been very generous to share what you've learned along the way. I would love if you would give us some tips for food photography. I read an interview with you and I, I thought you shared some really insightful in, uh, insight, whether it be for the novice or the connoisseur. Uh, you shop at Ikea for plates, right? You take a hundred yeah. or more photographs before you find one you like. Um, give us some hints for those of us that want to shoot food and post a, a better uh, a better blog post or a better social media post. Of course, and that's something I really love to do. I love helping others, and I think that, and you, you probably agree with me, Jamie, that there's still so much space. Like, uh, There's the opportunity for a lot of people to succeed in this. So to me, it's very exciting to see younger people uh, make their accounts and start posting and, and just coming involved in this, in this spiritual food world. To me, that's exciting. Um, I actually mentored, had an intern who has her own account, and I helped her out mm -hmm. and helped her grow and gave her advice. So to me, that's super important. And that's also the first chapter in my book. It's Viral Recipes Explained, where I tell people how I started my account, how I grew, how I take my photos. To me, uh, what's key, it's definitely good lighting. Mm -hmm. Just You just need a window, really. Yes. That, to me, is essential but if you don't if you let's say you, you work during the day and the only time you have you can make food and take photos and, and make your recipes is at night i tell people get a photographer's light just get a strobe light on amazon it could be like around probably around fifty dollars but it's a great investment and then you can film your stuff take photos at any time um i also use a a tripod that's uh it's called like a seat arm Mm -hmm. on Amazon, and that one's $18. Hmm. So it's a clamp. You clamp it onto any table, and then you just place your phone on it. It has like a little phone holder, mm -hmm. and you can do different angles. So that is amazing for for recipes, for videos. Good secret. really easy because sometimes you need both your hands. You can't be filming and cooking. Right. You're taking all your photos on an iPhone? Uh, some of my photos I do take with my camera. Okay. I have a Sony mirrorless camera. It's like, I believe it's A7R 
three. Okay. People know about camera. They'll enjoy it. And sure. I use a 35 millimeter lens. No. But you don't need that. I started out like the first three years of, of, of hosting online with an iPhone, with a Google Pixel. I had both. Amazing. Um, but you don't even need the latest iPhone, really. Just need a, you just need a camera. <laughs> At the end of the day, you're going to start posting. Use whatever you have and make the best of it. Um, a lot of the great apps for editing are free or they're only like a couple of bucks a year. So I would use Snapseed. I would use the in-camera um, editing tool on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Lightroom. You don't need to purchase any expensive presets. You just have to play around with, with the shadows and, and add a little bit of like lower the highlights, uh, mm-hmm. increase the temperature. Um, I never went to school for anything to learn these skills. I Every time I needed help with something, I would just look it up on YouTube. <laughs> trial trial and error and the beauty of the internet. Exactly. Just I think anyone amazing. can become successful these days yeah. online because there, we have so much information available. Wow. And I'm then my last piece of advice is mm-hmm. that if you admire anyone and you admire their content and their work, reach out to them. Hmm. Most influencers and people will respond. I respond to most messages, all emails. If hmm. someone asks me a question directly, what camera do you use or which app do you recommend, I will answer. And I promise you, most people you admire online will answer too. It's a, it's a very good dose of advice for sure. Talk about, before we delve into the recipes, um, the algorithm. It's so often uh, spoken about. Uh, with regard to gaining followers, but you talk about beating the algorithm. I think that in order to understand the algorithm, people really have to ask themselves, what is it? And, and think about their user experience. So I, as a user, I, when I watch other people's content, what do I do? What do I like? So you have to think what triggers a like or what makes you want to watch a whole video. Hmm. Once you ask yourself those questions, write them down. What makes you want to watch a whole video? Oh, when there's captions. In, in the te- when there's text, when there's good music, when the intro is very engaging. Think about those things that trigger an action when you're using social media mm-hmm. and apply those same principles to your videos. Valentina, I really appreciate your candor. We'll take a quick break. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away. to spend some time on a Dalgona coffee latte. How about we do that? <laughs> Let's cook. Um, okay. You are known. Did you, did you become known for drinks first? Well, sweets first. Um, but your drinks gain tremendous popularity. And this is the recipe that broke the internet, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It is um, the most significant coffee drink since the pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> it is. I love how you... <laughs> say that um i did see the trend for the original dalgona coffee and it's made using instant coffee which is with a mixer you beat it until it looks like whipped cream so i think it's just visually super appealing almost kind of cute honestly it's so fluffy and and, Mm. and cloud-like um so i wanted to make that make it more 
for me, accessibility is important. So, you know, a lot of people don't drink coffee or they're too young. I mean, TikTok has a bit of a younger audience. Um, so I wanted to do that, but make it with strawberry milk or chocolate milk. Hmm. And kind of also bring back that feeling of, like, nostalgia, childhood. So I made a whipped cream, essentially, using um, strawberry powder, yes. like Nesquik. Uh-huh. And to me, that was the most successful thing I posted online. And that's how, I mean, it snowballed into hmm. a bunch of, um, I mean, I had People Magazine, all these people reach out to me overnight. I had Amazing. in one, like by the next day I posted that, I had 10 emails from editors from all, all over. And my accounts grew like 100,000 followers in a month. It was an insane snowball effect no after doubt. posting that. No doubt. And what I recommend people when, when you are lucky enough to have one video go viral, keep on posting. Hmm. Don't let it just sit. So what I did was I made different versions of that whipped drink, and I called it whipped milk. So I made uh, a Nutella version, a peanut butter version. Um, I I made over 15 of them. I made key lime pie, Hmm. Biscoff, Hmm. um, like the cookie butter. I just kept on going, and, and people loved it. So it also started this whole trend where people were making different things into whipped milk. I have a friend who made Kool-Aid. Huh. That's something I probably wouldn't have made myself, but it worked for her. So it was exciting. Like I just created this whole community. Yes, you did. People were making it at home, tagging me on it. Hmm. And then you would see different chefs even make it themselves. <laughs> so it's really exciting because at the end of the day, you have to remember the social media. It's, it's social. It's yes. about interacting with others. Yes. You're not the only person in there. No. And and you've shared some insightful tips. There's no doubt that you have mastered the beauty of creating a community. Your spicy mozzarella air fryer sticks, (laughs) quite fabulous using um, spicy hot cheese puffs, right? But you say make it your own. Have you made dill pickle potato chip crusted mozzarella air fryer sticks? That one's on my list. I actually have the dill pickle. (laughs) Um, I have them. I have the tips sitting in my closet. Well, I have like a, my pantry is a is a closet. Really, it's so big, and I have them sitting there. I just I haven't. I was out of the country. I was for a little bit. I was in Spain and then Colombia. Yes. So I haven't had a chance to make them, but. That's very funny. Now to that me. you mention it, I'm going to make it. You're going to make them? I'm going to watch for your post. I am. I watched you recently. Okay, I'll tag you. Okay, please do. I'd love it. I'll make them with you. How's that? Um, I'll pick my potato chip of choice and we can do them together. I'm a salt and vinegar girl. So, salt and vinegar potato oh, chips. Those are the- too strong for me. Uh, I'm not, I like barbecue. barbecue okay. Are okay, I'll, I'll settle for barbecue. I just saw you make a s'mores mug cake. You are known for mug cakes as well. And you've embraced the air fryer. Uh, no doubt an, uh, an ongoing trend, right? Um, but I, I love that your generation, as the younger audience, as you speak to, um, is embracing the air fryer as well. A one-pound air fryer cookie is on my uh, recipe to-do list. I love air fryers. I think they're accessible, and that's yes. something that's important to me. I don't know if you noticed, but in my book, most of the ingredients are very cheap and easy to find. Um, during a lot of these recipes I made during lockdown, during right. COVID lo- lockdown, 
So I was doing a lot of my shopping at CVS. <laughs> it was the closest to me. Valentina Musi is the social media influencer and brand, the TikTok sensation, no doubt, where she showcases fun and easy recipes um, on her blog, but also, uh, as I mentioned, on uh, TikTok and Instagram under Sweet Portfolio. Uh, she is the 1.3 million followed TikTok sensation and the unofficial TikTok cookbook, which includes hacks and tips for making your own recipe videos to break the internet, is an editor's pick on Amazon and available now. So check it out. Valentina, you are a delight. Thank you for taking the time. And again, continued success to you. Thank you, Jamie. It's been lovely chatting Mm -hmm. with you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be on here and share more about myself. I appreciate it. It's very kind. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation and fabulous food. Whimsical, no doubt. And I hope that I fed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for this week. Want to make a super simple but full of fabulous flavor potato salad this summer? Well, sub in creme fraiche for your favorite mayo mixture. Use the little teeny peewee potatoes. I think that the baby Dutch yellow potatoes from Melissa's are my favorite. They're creamy on the inside and their skins are tender. And I just simply boil them or steam them until tender. I cut them in half because their insides are porous and they soak up that creamy, lovely mixture. I toss them with a simple mixture of creme fraiche and lemon zest. And then the best way to season them is with everything bagel spice. That's right. It has everything I love. Sesame seeds and poppy seeds and salt and all the goodness of dried garlic, dried onion, and it's just so fabulously full of flavor. You can throw in some freshly chopped dill and you have a potato salad to live for. I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll become a friend and a fan. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. Don't forget to visit chefjamie.com for recipes galore. And please stay healthy and continue to eat well. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you for listening.